I'm not fuming. She's fuming. <laughs> I'm the opposite of fuming. Ah, that's more calming. We just might ramble. This is a, a safe space. If you haven't noticed through the years that this is a safe rambling space. That's meaty. Episode 92 of the EdTech Loop Podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and she has yet to reveal her secret identity. It's Danielle Brostrom. And also joining us, her spunky super sidekick, Steffi Lane. <laughs> Up in the TCAPS Tower, we gaze over the troubled streets of TC, pondering this week's moment of zen. Grown-ups are a strange breed. Their brains weigh close to three pounds. And that's not three pounds of cheery delight. We've added sweet onions, <laughs> garlic, tomatoes, and potatoes, but today's stew isn't complete until we add this week's meat of the show. Graphic novels are good. Enough said. Steffi, I'm so excited that you're here today. She jumps in. I, I did jump in. That wasn't the quote. Oh, that you wasn't told me to quote. jump in. That wasn't the quote. Oh, I, got, I have the quote. Larry. This is good. Go back. From, I mean, no, I think, no, no, no. Where, where, where I think graphic novels are good. You, like, set it off. Yeah. And then, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. Hard stuff. I, wanted to, I wanted to share this from Will Eisner. Yes. Um, okay. The comic strip is no longer the comic strip, but in reality, an illustrated novel. It is new and raw in form just now, but material for limitless intelligent development. And eventually and inevitably, it will be a legitimate medium for the best writers and artists. It is already the embryo of a new art form. That's excellent. And go. We're, I'm glad we let you go past the rest. <laughs> Steffi, you're always my go-to about good books for kids. So um, you've got quite a few graphic novels there. Talk to me about graphic novels. Why are they all of a sudden the thing to read for kids? Okay. Well, and can I just loop back a little bit to something Larry just said? Because yes, I think there's an interesting discussion to be had about comic strips versus graphic novels. You might find them in the same spot in a library. And they have so much in common because the story is told so visually in both. But um, a, a comic strip is often told over many installations. Like if you think about a traditional comic strip, it'd be in a newspaper. It's serialized. Yes. And a different way to think about a graphic novel is the whole story is usually told in a book or two. And sometimes there's a trilogy or whatnot. You know, it can be... It's like a movie versus a TV show. Excellent example. Nuff said. When we're thinking about, you know, graphic novels and comic strips and that art form, one of the reasons it's become so popular is because of the quality of what is being produced. And especially for kids, um, young readers and middle grade. And I was never aware of the extent of graphic novels that are available for adults, too. I was surprised. I shouldn't be surprised, but that's not a, a medium that I was spending a lot of time reading. I was spending a lot of time and do spend a lot of time on children and YA. But it, there is a whole world of adult graphic novels, not adult in theme, but adult geared toward adults. Um, one really popular one that people may know and one that I am familiar with is now a Broadway play. It's called Fun Home by Allison Rechtel. Saw it. Oh, tell us about it. It was fabulous. It was saw it in Toronto. It was a really literate, really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to break it down, but uh, yeah, I brought my, my, my children to it. And okay. It was really mature subject matter. Yep. 
Uh, I did not actually know that it was based off of a graphic novel. Yes, so, a yeah. graphic memoir that she describes as a tragic comic. Mm-hmm. Difficult topics handled actually pretty delicately. And with a lot of humor, right? Yes. That's my, I mean, that's how the book is, I'm assuming. the. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Content f- geared totally toward adults all the way down to our littles. There are graphic novels that are um, just exploding and grabbing kids because of the strength of the stories. The strength of the stories and the um, the quality of the illustrations and the art. At the end of the day, anything in terms of books or um, narratives that we see in a TV show or anything like that, it, it all boils down to a story. And the stories that are being told are just really rich and really strong. And, you know, in terms of just looking at data from a hard data side, I mean, explosion in terms of $80 million in increased sales in graphic novels since 2017, according to one stat that I found. And it's where um, many of our most talented, I think, authors and illustrators are working in that form right now. It's an exciting time because there's so much there to hook kids. There's content and storylines in that format that would appeal to all readers and readers of all ages and abilities. That was going to be my next question. So if I have a low reader or a high reader, I should look to graphic novels for them. It's not just Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've talked about this before with looking at books that would have, um, uh, you know, uh, themes for younger kids, but would have a high level of reading classics. And a lot of classics have been turned into graphic novels. And we were chatting yesterday about A Wrinkle in Time and how that is um, more accessible for some kids to start with the graphic novel before reading a Wrinkle in Time, or, I mean, Anne of Green Gables is a graphic novel. Lots and lots of books have been um, turned into that format and are hooking readers, which is really what, that's the goal that we have, like get our kids reading, right book for the right reader. All right. I want to know what you got. So in front of us, there's kind of a stack of books, as there tends to be. There were just last week, a number of books, a number of graphic novels that were released, but they also were previewed this summer at a couple conferences. So I would say that one of the biggest that has just come out is Guts by Raina Tagelmeier, who is um, well known for her other books, Drama, Smile, Sisters, Ghosts. And um, Guts is a story of Uh, the author's experience as a fourth grader and dealing with anxiety and stomach aches that came with her anxiety. And I've seen write-ups about it as um, such an important work for kids who are struggling with those kinds of issues and being able to read about them in such an accessible, comfortable way. Um, It's been written up a whole bunch recently, New York Times, all sorts of places, and it's excellent. You've read it. I know you enjoyed it. Yeah, my whole family, we thought it was amazing. Um, And even just that idea of some things some things that I'm experiencing are kind of like this main character, but they're a little bit different. So being able to talk about how you relate to that character is a really important skill for kids. And I think that's um, something that if you've been exposed and reading in the genre recently, none of the books are shying away from issues that kids are dealing with like there there's meaty tough issues in a lot of a lot of books not just graphic novels but presented in a way that kids can identify with and you know make meaning in their own life from the experiences of what they're seeing the characters 
go through. Plus, they're also fun and funny. I mean, the format is lends itself to also a little bit of, you know, a light humor, too, and sometimes full-on humor. I mean, they're just like fun home, like it tackles tough issues, but that format helps uh, make it A lot more comfortable. accessible. Sometimes, especially with some of the tougher issues, it's good to have a an accessible image mm-hmm. as opposed to the image that might be developed in your own head. It kind of gives you um, a safety net. Mm-hmm. I think that's so true. So it's not quite as scary. So highly recommend Guts. Also, White Bird by R.J. Palacio, whose name would be familiar if you have read the Wonder Books. And this story is of uh, Julian, so the character from Wonder. It's Julian's grandmother's story. Julian is one of the characters who is um, one of the bullies in the book, in the main book. And this tells the backstory of his family. It's very powerful because it's about the war and um, her experience in the war. The artwork is gorgeous. They were actually at ALA giving away prints of her art, and it was something that you would hang up. It's gorgeous. Um, But telling that full spectrum of the Wonder story, which has been hugely popular, and anyone who's read Wonder would um, enjoy seeing this side of the story and this perspective. And it's there's heavy issues in it, but it's um, beautifully told. We, we've talked about graphic novels before mm-hmm. on the podcast, and forever, graphic novels have gotten a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, people say, you know, the, the argument is it's not real reading because it's in small chunks and it's not written out in the same format and it's it looks different and it has all those illustrations and it is real reading and kids are digesting the story in the same way and they are taking in the same content and they are processing the artwork as part of the story, which is a whole nother set of skills and it's telling the story in an in another way. I believe anything that hooks kids and makes them want to read is real reading. It's a narrative. You're, you're, a narrative. you're teaching stu- or kids to love narrative and love storytelling. And in, this is just a creative way that's, that the story is being presented, you know, with art involved. And, you know, I think before we had all of this amazing content in a graphic novel form, Comic strips would have been what had gotten the bad rap. It's the same argument, though. Like, you're still, a story is being told, like you said, in small episodes or increments. But the narrative and the arc of the story and the, you know, the the plot and the twists and all those, all of those elements of a good story exist in that format. It's told in a different way. The form doesn't really matter. The reason why books were printed the way books were printed, Mm -hmm. time memoriam, is cost. Mm-hmm. The more words you can fit on a page, the cheaper the book is. It's publishable. Mm-hmm. We now have the opportunity to make picture books cheaply. So that's the reason why we're making picture books. It's still words, it's still narrative, it's still story. Why should we be stuck with an old world form when we don't have to. A question that I have is, why are authors choosing this format? Because it's available to them now. It's potentially a better way to tell a story. It just wasn't available to them. I remember as a, as a student when I was young and I was a struggling reader, there were just too many words on a page. I couldn't manage that amount of content. You know, and they're finding now that large print books are actually really helping kids because they can manage the content. Again, 
my escape was the graphic novel or the comic book because there was really just less wor less words on the page, and I was able to get uh, get over a lot of those hurdles in my reading to the point where then I could go and read um, much richer texts. Mm -hmm. And I had fallen in love with the narrative, which is the important part for our kids. They'll read. Mm -hmm. They have to have those progressions to the point where they can. Absolutely. They're not going to start with Tolstoy and Dostoevsky. They're just not. And it's not a competition. Right. So whatever gets them hooked right. is the important thing. And I think we've talked about that. Right. And the visuals are very engaging and pull kids into the narrative before they even get into the story. So I think it's it's a win-win. Was it the art or was it the story that grabbed you as a reader when you were young? Uh, both. Both. Okay. Both. But I, I would say, you know, just like looking at an album cover, as, as you're going through the record store back in the day, you'd be like, oh, that's a cool album cover. I think I'm going to get it. And then you'd, you know, you listen to it and you might like it or you might not. The art was, uh, was the entry point. Mm -hmm. The story is what kept you coming back. Absolutely. Well, the goal should be to get kids to fall in love with reading. And part of getting kids to fall in love with reading is that they need to be able to see themselves in the story. Mm -hmm. And if you had a child who had issues, like we talked about guts, like with the anxiety, typically you would have to look for a middle school or high school book. Mm -hmm. And that's not always going to have content in it that's appropriate for an elementary school kid. So... I love how these graphic novels do tackle tough issues and kids can actually see themselves in them, but it's done in a safe, accessible way for kids. Absolutely. And issues that are really mainstream that kids are, lots of kids are dealing with anxiety and other issues like that, but kids are also dealing with friend concerns. And there's lots of books that are just focused on real experiences of what kids are having and the range of so many experiences, so many different situations. And I feel like books are really expanding in to all of those, you know, starting to pull stories from lots and lots of different perspectives. I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, windows and mirrors and and books of all forms, graphic included, are getting more and more experiences, more and more um, perspectives, more just more looks at all the different ways people are experiencing the world. And I think that is a win for all readers and especially our kiddos. Sure. What else we have? There's a trilogy that's been very popular, and the most recent one is called Sunny Rolls the Dice, getting adjusted to middle school, kind of those same issues, friend issues. Um, this one makes me giggle because it's about Dungeons and Dragons, so it's back in like the heyday of Dungeons and Dragons, which apparently is having a huge uh, comeback. Um, what? <laughs> so. And then the Babysitter's Club books that are really popular that Raina Tagelmeier has, she has done a number of graphic novels that are the Babysitter's Club um, based on the novels that were by Anne Martin. But this is for younger readers because it's The Babysitter's Little Sister is the title that we're looking at. So it's for younger kids than Upper L even. So that is what, as you look through graphic novels, you really do see that there are books geared toward all ages. And, you know, the Lunch Lady series, and Zeta the Space Girl and the Bone Books. Those are young elementary and then moving all the way through. So much for upper L and middle and then high school. And as we talked about, lots and lots of titles for adults as well. I mean, there's a really powerful trilogy of books called March, and it's based on the experience of John Lewis. And I think it was up for a National Book Award, maybe the first one in the series. But that's telling from a, um, his perspective of being involved in the civil rights movement and 
telling all that important history through this powerful graphic novel format. And again, it just highlights that the graphic novel format is touching on all sorts of stories. It's touching on fiction and nonfiction and memoir. And it's so hard to hear that it's not real reading because of all of what it encompasses in that in that format. So what we have to do, I think, is just spend lock ourselves in for the rest of the day and just read graphic novels. Is that okay? Oh, I'm in. Okay. I'm 100% in. Yeah. And graphic novels are are satisfying because you can get through them a little more quickly. So you'll feel accomplished on your reading list. There's some passion (laughs) in what you were saying. There's some great. I just love that the options are out there for kids and there's so, and not just graphic novels, but there's so much out there, especially right now for, for young readers, the quality of what's coming out. And it's awesome. And I just thought about this because I'm reading a book and as I'm going through it, I'm like, is this a young adult book? Like that was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I just in my head, how can we get that out of my head? Because I don't think I'm alone in that I'm an adult. I shouldn't be reading whatever. I really. And there's so much good content in the young adult section. There's so much good content everywhere. Well, yeah. My book group, which is almost all English teachers at one of the high schools, we just read a picture book for our book club. And it's the story of uh, Margaret Wise Brown. So the, you know, Good Night Moon. And it's it's this amazing picture book about her. And that was our book, club book. So I don't know what to tell you except that embrace it. If you love the book, read it and take the story. And who cares if it's a YA? Who cares if it's a children's book? That's my not super helpful comment. <laughs> Did it, didn't Harry Potter kind of break the, that thought for a lot of people, though? I think so. I mean, aren't there a lot of adults who gravitated to Harry Potter yeah. for the first time and went like, whoa, there's actually good things in YA. I shouldn't dismiss that entire mention. middle grade. Yeah, it, it's so it's so simple in the sense that those books were thick. Right. So they must be <laughs> literature. Right. right. It's true. If a graphic novel was a little thicker. Oh, so like suddenly that's literature. So like Wonderstruck or Hugo Cabret. Yeah, I was thinking. Like, those yes. are those are almost all illustrations. And t- but yes, a super thick book that would allay your your feelings. Mm-hmm. Of, make it make it hardcover and right if it's heavy, but it doesn't have to be boring and old to make it real literature. Mic drop. Tech tool of the week. Tech tool of the week. We oh, you, that was so cute. <laughs> We sort of have one. I think our tech tool of the week was to just follow Colby Sharp. I can't always take a ton of Stuffy's time to get good book recommendations. So yes, you can. Be, being able to follow someone like Colby Sharp, who is in the classroom with kids and reads how many books? A thousand. A thousand books a year. Um, following someone like him because he is always sharing the stuff that's coming out that's new and that's really, really good. Yeah. The book he talked about at Wired just came out. It's called Maybe He Just Likes You. And it was the book. I think if I'm remembering how he phrased this, that if you're going to read one book this year, that should be it. So great follow on Twitter for sure. Um, I just want to throw out uh, tutorials and updates. I, I have to be honest. We have so many pods out there right now, so many podcasts and stuff that's been thrown up on YouTube. I'm not going to hit them all. So I'm just going to say, go to Danielle's YouTube page, go to uh, the Technologist YouTube page, which just there's so much content there. Um, the TCAP Sloop YouTube channel has something on it. We, we did actually put the um, the Evan O'Branovic podcast on there, or at least a, a snippet of it. So it's alive. It's alive. Alive. 
in closing, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TCAPSLOOP. At Brostrom DA. At Steffi Light. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Please leave a review. We love the feedback. Thanks for listening and inspiring. Okay, well, are we still being recorded?